Hey friends, welcome back to the Nation's Weekly Podcast. This is the third of four special introductory episodes where we have spent some time as a staff unpacking our origin story, explaining who we are, how we got here, and what problem we've been trying to solve. These next two conversations are a pivot, and we're going to spend some time unpacking our four core values. These are really important to understanding who we are and where we're going. Values shape the atmosphere and culture of us as an organization and inform us as storytellers and as journalists. So this week's conversation, we dive into the first two values, advocacy and life risk. We also explore bad incentives in media and why we are trying to do things a little bit differently around here. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. We say, hey, well, what what do we want to be nation's distinctives? Mm-hmm. You know, what sets us apart? I mean, there's a couple of practical things. Like at this point in the nation's journey, you know, we're not relying on ad revenue, which no. is, uh, yeah, I mean, we see that as part of the problem in the media landscape mm-hmm. is that, hey, um, ad-driven incentives uh, trend towards the lowest common, common denominator. Because what we've found, what you know, is increasingly talked about across the media ecosystem is that like, hey, our negative biases are the easiest to manipulate. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, our propensity towards fear and uncertainty, anxiety, you know, and tribalism are the easiest ones to activate. I mean, on mm-hmm. an emotional and on a psychological level, and thus the easiest to exploit for attention, we live in the the age of the attention economy mm-hmm. in very many ways, um, and so we we say, well, we don't really want to play by those rules in some mm-hmm. capacity, which is why, in part, we're moving to a subscription one. I mean, it's a genuine risk putting a lot of this these stories and whatnot behind a paywall is is a real risk, but countless creators have been doing this because people have been saying, hey, you know what, actually participation in the dominant like ecosystems for how stories and information get created and disseminated, it's doing something to us mm-hmm. as individuals and as, as cultures uh, that doesn't seem to be fruitful. So we want to try and chart a new path forward. And so if you continue to listen with us uh, as we you know, as the, the podcast goes on to evolve into less long conversations like this, you know, uh, about uh, kind of 30,000 foot, but but more dynamic and on the ground stuff as we engage with, you know, reformers out in the field with artists and creatives, as we kind of give you a, a glimpse here about what the different challenges that we're, you know, we're running into. Um, I'm totally losing the thread of where I was going with that. No, I didn't. It just came back to me. So you don't even need to edit that. We want you to understand and we want, uh, we constantly are having this, this conversation internally about values mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because tactics can change, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the podcast is just a tactic. Social media is just a tactic. It's, these are just tools of the trade to, to get these stories in front of people, to communicate the vision um, and the mission that we've all partnered with in lots of different ways. And so, but values are the things that shape culture. Values are the things that ultimately shape character. And so for us, part of the backstory that a lot of people didn't hear was just this years of you really leading the team um, through, I mean, honestly, spiritual contemplative planning and exercises, asking this question of God and of one another, um, looking around the marketplace and saying, hey, what are, what are core values that will, that will create a, the distinct culture that you you 
were able to identify when you first saw it back in 2019 and then when you did the, the deep dive you you named it as individuality and i would say well it's our values that have created that sense of identity Definitely. and that sense of individuality so we're going to spend a few minutes having a couple of conversations about um just four of like the four kind of dominant values which are the lenses through which we we approach any story regardless of the medium and really quickly they are advocacy life risk beauty and reformation. So Joel, can you tell us advocacy being the first one? Cause it starts with a, mm -hmm. like, what's the story? Why did we land on advocacy as a value? A lot of it comes from just my journey of having to knowing that I could only move forward as an artist. If I learned how to create projects where I wasn't the out, I had nothing to do with the outcome. Like mm -hmm. it was really, it's for someone else. Like that was kind of my spiritual journey. What led here? Um, <clears throat> And that's, and, and if we're just creating content to create content to sell ads, I, I, here's my resignation. I'm done. Okay. It's not, I, I want to create something. Our, I believe that our stories that we carry are the most valuable thing that we have as mm -hmm. human beings. Mm -hmm. And so when we advocate for somebody else, we have to, we steward something that's eternal. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, it, that's at the core of why we tell stories. It's to, it's to advocate for, um, not only the reformers, but for what God is uniquely doing in and through them. Mm -hmm. If we understand that narrative, it's it's pretty powerful. And I think it's the most powerful thing in the world. So advocacy really comes down to us understanding the story, which is a lot of hard work. And it's telling it in a way that's beautiful and will stand the test of time. So, you know, one of a couple of my favorite stories are one, when we told the story at, down at Rancho de Sus Ninos, the orphanage down in um, Tijuana, um, when we finished, we're like, this is our first story. Like, is it good? Like, I don't know. And we went down and we showed them and we unveiled everything. And I never forget that Jimmy and Gina Horner, who've been down there their entire life. A lot of people have told their story. They've, they've had to tell their story to raise funds and you know how the nonprofits work. And Jimmy and Gina were like in tears and they're like, we've never felt like anyone truly understood why we're here. And you guys did, mm. you guys captured the very heart and essence of what, why we're doing what we're doing. And they were, and I just, I, that was like payment for me. Like, I just felt like, cool. Like we, it's not that we created something, but rather we tapped into what God was uniquely doing. Yeah. And we just participated as a filmmaker. I remember going like, you guys are an orphanage that don't, doesn't believe in the word orphan. So you're the orphanless orphanage. So that's what we'll call our film. And we made this film and, <laughs> and anyways, it just felt eternal. And I remember when Dave Eubank, you know, has a big film out free Burma Rangers. Um, and everybody wants to turn Dave Eubank into the machine gun preacher. Mm -hmm. He's like this, Oh, this guy who was a special, former special forces. And now he's like in the mission field with a machine gun, like helping people. It's like not Dave at all. So, yeah. um, Brianna Lance went and t was the first journalist to tell Dave's story. He's like, you said a female journalist, like, <laughs> can she hang? I'm like, you don't know Brianna. She's one of the toughest people I know. And she came back with a completely non-masculine, like hero narrative, but one that would really, and I remember Dave calling me and just going, no one's ever got my story right. You guys got my story right. He's mm -hmm. like, you guys can come wherever. He's like, you guys are great. And, and we're, <laughs> we're friends to this day. And we're filming with Dave starting next week in Burma. Um, but all that to say is like, that's why we do what we do. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not nations. I still think and wish it, we could be invisible mm -hmm. and 
and we have, we have to create this content for them. Yeah. We have to advocate for them. And I think also one more thing, everyone's sick and tired of nonprofit <laughs> propaganda. It's like, Oh, here's the story. It's a great story. And with all heads bowed and eyes closed, raise your hand. If you want to pay $30 a month to support. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. I just think we're fatigued by storytelling that, has a financial ask at the end. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's advocacy. So we're trying to just be honest with our greed. Like, hey, you have to money first, <laughs> then the story. Yes, get it out of the way. <laughs> so, so it's not manipulative. Uh, no, but no, I think that, that's, which is, I think is a key, um, you know, we've had those conversations in a variety of different ways, you know, one-offs with the board, you mm -hmm. know, sort of like, what is the point? Like, what's the, so we tell a story, so what? Does there need to be, you know, these are the spiritual principles that you should have gleaned from the story, or this is where you write a check. And like, I think, like for me, one of the things that I really appreciate is we're essentially, from an advocacy standpoint, we are advocates of the people, but really advocates of the story because it is the story that has the power to transform. Mm. And so then the response is essentially the response for you in you know engaging with the story may be very different than the response for you. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's up to the Holy Spirit. That's right. um, and it could not even be a response that you experienced for years, right? I could, mm -hmm. I mean, how many stories have been told to you that you, know, you didn't really get it? Like now you're just like, oh yeah, now I have kids. I totally understand that component of a story. And that's mm -hmm. part of the beauty of, of stories is they have this very dynamic quality to them. Yeah. And so I think that's what's, um, that's what's exciting for me yeah. from that standpoint. Yeah. Well, I think advocacy too for, for me and on the editorial side is, you know, we're a mixed media platform, you know, I mean, not just that we're doing podcasts and we're doing, you know, uh, filmmaking and we're doing writing, but within the writing department itself, I mean, if you haven't been following along with us or if you, if you do start joining us, I mean, you'll get everything from there's like personal essays, you know, then there's these, there's reformer profiles of people who we kind of, you've heard us starting talking about these, these individuals who have been creating something and usually these like broken places, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, we'll explain and unpack reformers, but advocacy, like it's not, it's not straight journalism that we're doing, right? It's not, it's not just trying to report the news. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also, it's not propaganda, it's, you know, so therefore it's not ideologically driven. It doesn't have this intent to try and get you to believe X, you know? Um, when I work with writers, you know, on any given story, it's like, well, hey, I mean, hey, you know who you are and your perspective that you're coming from. I, I don't care if you're conservative. I don't care if you're liberal on the, you know, like um, core to us is this advocacy, is this invitation is always saying, well, hey, I'm not asking you to be somebody else. You can write in your own voice, you know, within kind of the, you know, the style guide and whatnot of, of who we are, because we need to have a voice as an organization. But um, like, can you set aside some of your own personal biases? Can you set aside a, a particular agenda and then try and tell a story in, in a way that invites people into it to discover for themselves like exactly what you said, what the truth is, what the beauty, and therefore what the response should be. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, yeah, like I said, there's some of them are historical biographies. There's like, there's these dispatches from around the world where we're inviting you into the atmosphere and culture of the place, you know? And so like the place is just as important in some ways as the people, because mm -hmm. you got to understand that to some degree. And so, yeah, advocating, it helps keep us grounded in that others centric art creation process, yeah. as you mentioned, you know, like if it's advocacy, well, then I'm do we are doing it on behalf of 
Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And in service to X. Right. Um, so I, I, I really love in some ways the constraints and the freedom that this value of advocacy offers for us. Any other comments on advocacy? You're, you're a wonderful advocate for advocacy <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, then according to the agenda, we shall move on to the next value here at, uh, at Nations, which is this one of life risk, which initially was called something different, right, Joel? Yeah, it's been a tough one because, um, you know, this is classic. Let me just be a youth pastor for a minute, but John 10, 10 is like <laughs> God's invitation into this abundant life. And I just think like from my all growing up, it's like Christianity was so boring. It's so controlled How and just really like, just, it was, it was so neutered. And I, I wanted to, you know, when I, when I met Jesus, I just felt like, like that painting and Walter Mitty of Sean Penn, when he's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's partake. And I, and so yeah, at first, we were kind of using this word adventure, but we were attracting all these people who I think just wanted to travel around the world mm -hmm. and go to somewhere cool. And, and that didn't, it wasn't exactly right. And I'll forget, I sat down with Todd Burns about six years ago and uh, he's uh, a good friend of ours. And he, <laughs> he goes, he's another filmmaker. So anytime when filmmaker meets a filmmaker for the first time, it's like, hey, so what have you done? Well, this is what I've done. And now we know each <laughs> other and we're networking. And I'm just like, kill me. It's, it's like, it's a bad part of our culture. But anyway, so I met Todd and he goes, no, I've been following you guys for a few years now. And I'm like, oh, that's a weird thing to say, but okay. <laughs> and um, he goes, hey, and he goes, I, I really admire the work that you're doing. Um, because what you're doing is life risk. And I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, he goes, no, he's like, you're risking your life to tell the stories who are risking their life being about their father's business. And mm. I'm like, whoa. And I literally pulled out my journal. And I like wrote that down. I went to the board. I said, it's not adventure. It's life risk. That's, mm -hmm. that's exactly, that's what excites me. It's like, it's not adrenaline. It's not, any of these things other than rat, you know, willing yeah. to like participate in the difficult things. Yeah. And that's what I was looking for. Not somebody who wanted to go on an adventure, although that's part of it. It's someone who's like saying like, I'm willing to lay down my life ultimately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where that value came from. I think it's beautiful because it, as you mentioned, the subjects oftentimes, not always, but we noticed this theme throughout the stories that we that have kind of come to nations and we've been entrusted to steward and uh, life risk presents itself really differently in a lot of different situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of them genuinely, yeah, it's okay. It's following Dave Eubank. I mean, which part of the Iraq doc does, you know, like to the front lines of ISIS and saying, well, Hey, I mean, you're entering a war zone like, and okay, if you're going to go tell this story, you need to be willing to die. Genuinely, that's what some of our storytellers have signed up for, mm -hmm. um, because there, that's where Dave is gone, right? He said yes to that invitation from God to like risk his own life and to operate in a unique way that only he can. Well, for other people, life risk looks completely differently, it's, you know. Mm -hmm. um, for some people, right? It is, it is, uh, yeah, serving the widow and the orphan. For some people, life risk means, well, hey, I'm actually going to, I'm going to seek to enter the, the, the sphere of politics or the halls mm -hmm. of power, uh, but I'm going to do it in a way that is marked by integrity mm -hmm. rather than opportunism, mm -hmm. you know? So um, part of the reason why life risk is so valuable is because it gets to the core of, once again, to use, to put on my, you know, pastor hat in certain ways, like, is it gets to this 
irreducible aspect of discipleship. You know, if anybody's been in the, in the Christian space, they likely have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, mm-hmm. and his, his book on costly discipleship, when, when Christ calls him and he bids, comes, bids him come die, mm-hmm. right? And so life risk for anybody of faith is, is essential mm-hmm. because we all have to, in ways big and small, be taking this, this inward look and asking, well, hey, what parts of me do need to die? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what risks do I need to take um, to deepen in my faith, to respond in ways that aren't marked by safety and by a desire to just, you know, upward mobility and all the different things that we're kind of told are the markers of a good life of saying, well, actually, no, um, people who are responding to the gospel are people who are willing to, and has, have been throughout history, go into dark places. Um, it is like Claire, your story in Germany, mm-hmm. being willing to go into red light districts and to to meet with those men and women in the in the spaces that they're in, saying, "Hey, you don't need to come to me. Like I will go to you," because ultimately that's what that's what Jesus did. You know, as Christians, we believe the incarnation is this absolutely radical thing, where in a very real way, God risks His own life and then loses it, mm-hmm. and that's the birth of the great story that we all feel swept up in, that mm-hmm. has claimed our ultimate allegiance. And so, life risk, this value that, uh, hey, sometimes, sometimes we have to tell stories over Skype. But whenever possible, we want to be there in the spaces with the mm-hmm. people um, so that we can live alongside of them so that we can do advocacy well. Mm-hmm. You cannot be willing to advocate if you're not willing to risk entering into the story fully. And I'm, one more comment on this, because I know we're going to be the future of nations in some capacity. We're going to be pushing certain boundaries, not just for the sake of pushing them, but because I, because stories will, will demand it, yeah. because the complexities of... of people's human experience will demand it because the irresistible creativity of the gospel will demand it. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be blurring tribal lines. It's going to be blurring these different spaces. And um, so we're going we're, we're going to meet people from different walks of life, from mm-hmm. different like value systems, from different religions. And um, we need to be able to risk entering into their world mm-hmm. to see the the di- their dignity to see the image of God in them to then be able to it doesn't it doesn't mean you have to yield completely to it. it doesn't mean that you have to be consumed or become that but if we're not willing to enter into other people's belief systems value systems life experiences and histories well then I mean we one won't really know people yeah and as storytellers we won't be able to do justice to what it is that they've seen and experienced that's right totally.